be attentive. In those days, King Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining round me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It hurts you to kick against the goats. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to serve and bear witness to the things in which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles, to whom I send you to open their eyes, that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those at Damascus, then at Jerusalem, and throughout all the country of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and perform deeds worthy of their repentance. Peace be to you, the reader. So he went and washed and came back, seeing 
The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, Is this not the man who used to sit in bed? Some said, it is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He said, I am that man. They said to him, Then how are your eyes open? He answered, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Would you slow up and watch? So I went and watched and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. The Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes and I watch and I see. So the Pharisees said, This man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? There was the division among them. So they began to say to the blind man, What do you say about him? Since he opened your eyes, he said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. And until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed. That if anyone should confess him to be Christ, he was to put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been born, had been born blind. And he said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I know. That though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What do you do? How do you open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to, do you to want to become his disciple? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is a marvel. You do not know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. Because if anyone is a worshiper of God, that does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he should do nothing. They answered him, You were born in our sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard they cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? 
that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who speaks to you. He said, Lord, I to you who proclaims the gospel. of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. The reading that we just heard from the Gospel of John speaks of blindness, both from a physical and also a spiritual standpoint. And, and this is truly the, uh, the situation with all of us, that we have this ability to see with our physical eyes something that God has given to us. And according to St. Nicodemus of the Holy Mountain, he says that the sense of sight has been given to us so that we can look at creation and be in absolute awe and wonder of what God has created. When we see a beautiful sunset, when we stand on a beach and we see the vastness of the ocean before our eyes, or a forest, or the plains, a field, all of these things, the moon and the stars, and even the universe itself, all of these things were created by God so that we would be in absolute awe and wonder of what He has given to us. He's also given us this spiritual sight, what we would call in the Orthodox faith, diakrisi, or discernment. And spiritual sight is there to help us to understand and to see things and interpret things really correctly. It's interesting because our physical sight, as you know, is very limited. We have, for example, the need to wear glasses. We can only see so far. And we can only see so far clearly. We also can only see things close up clearly. And outside of that, we need what are called corrective lenses. We need something to help sharpen what it is that we're looking at so that we see it clearly. And the same can be said about the spiritual side of a person. That we need a sort of corrective lens in order to see and understand and interpret what we see correctly. If you have a pair of glasses on and a car goes by the the street on a rainy day and splashes all this water and mud and stuff on your glasses and you begin to look at the world through those glasses, what do you think you see? A lot of distorted images. And with our spiritual sight, without discernment, we see life, we see relationships, people, we see incidences and things that happen in life in a distorted way. We don't see them clearly. And so the need for corrective lenses physically is a necessity for all of us. If you don't wear glasses or contacts, one day you will. (laughs) You're just lucky right now. But even if you don't wear corrective lenses, you still are limited in how far you can see and what you can see. The Pharisees, for example, had physical sight, but our Lord referred to them as blind men. So obviously we know he wasn't talking about the physical sight that they had. In order to see really the, the physical world is one thing, but to be able to see life, spiritually speaking, we need this discernment that only God can give us. 
It's interesting that if we wanted to correct our eyesight spiritually, we need to do something very proactive. And St. Paisius of the Holy Mountain says that for the eyes of the soul to be opened, we must throw off the mud of sin. The more a person progresses in the spiritual life, and we know that that happens, right, through repentance primarily, and through the participation in the mystical life of the church, confession and the Eucharist, also through reading, spiritual works, through prayer, through almsgiving, through hospitality, uh, through uh, brutal self-reflection, in a sense, um, so that we can grow in the image of Christ. The more a person progresses through those means in the spiritual life, the more the eyes of his soul will be opened. It doesn't happen all at once, but it happens gradually. His mind is cleansed, and he can better discern his own faults. That's interesting, isn't it? When we begin to gain this discernment by the grace of God, he doesn't say, you're able to see other people's sins better. And more clearly, he says, you're able to discern your own faults more clearly, which is precisely where our mind's eye should be with regards to discernment, as well as you begin to see the many blessings of God in life. And when we begin to notice the many blessings of God in life, we begin to develop an attitude of thanksgiving and gratefulness. He becomes humble when he begins to see things spiritually more clear. He is broken within. In other words, we develop a more contrite and humble heart. This, in turn, naturally brings the grace of God into his soul. Then he clearly sees what the will of God is in every situation. Imagine if we had that type of discernment in our life and we applied it to the way we saw things in life, whether it's tragedy or whether it's good things no matter what it was, whether it's the things we see visually in terms of the creation of the world, whether it's the way we see our spouse or our children or our loved one or a friend. If we saw things so clearly, we would be able to love more deeply. We would be able to forgive more quickly. And we would be able to nurture that image of Christ in another person because of what God has given us through His grace. The eyes that God has given us are meant to be an awe and wonder of what God has created. But we use the eyes for many other purposes. Our eyes are used and we look upon things and upon people and we're incited to envy. We're incited with jealousy. We're incited with lust. And we want that which we don't have. And all of a sudden we have this distorted vision, spiritual sight, of these sort of things in life. And envy is the opposite of gratitude. And jealousy is the opposite of love. So you see what a distorted vision is, spiritually speaking. We look upon the things in this world in a way that we are not called to look upon them. And there is this connection between the physical side and the, and, the, and the spiritual side of the soul and the condition of the soul. This is why Jesus said, You have heard that it is said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks upon a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So here it's not even the act of adultery. It's the use of sight... And it's the passion of lust that wounds the heart and the soul of the person. 
We darken our ability to see the works of God everywhere, and we dull our ability to discern things properly when we misuse the sense of our physical sight. St. Basil wrote, Vision can deceive the soul toward a certain pleasure through the touch of some object by means of the rays of the eyes that act as bodily arms. The eyes act as bodily arms. With these, the soul can touch from far away whatever it desires. And the things that the hands of the body do not have under their authority to touch, these can nevertheless be embraced by the rays of the eyes passionately. So we don't even have to touch that thing that we desire. With the eyes, we can touch it. St. Gregory the theologian puts it this way, The lamps of the eyes touch the untouchable. The lamps of the eyes touch the untouchable. St. Basil also said, Do not play host with your eyes to the display of wonder workers or to the vision of bodies that place one at the center of passionate pleasure. We can say, oh, it's nothing wrong to look at a beautiful body. It's God's creation. Okay, to the pure, all things are pure. If our heart is not pure, then what we're saying is not matching up with what's actually going on. It sounds really great, but we have to be very honest. To the pure, things are pure. But until we have that purity of heart, to say such a thing is deception. The wise Solomon says, Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. In other words, don't let your eyes wander around to everything and everyone. This will wound the soul. The righteous Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. That's beautiful. I've made a covenant with my own eyes. How then could I look upon a virgin or another person? What can we do then to help us when our eyes become captive to something? St. Nicodemus, again of the Holy Mountain, says, If ever this thief comes and captivates you, fight against him and do not allow any image of any shameful desire be impressed upon your soul. How do we do that? He says, take refuge first in God through prayer. And then turn your imagination to another spiritual thought so that one imagination wipes out another and one image destroys another. Oftentimes, the fathers would imagine Christ crucified. Sometimes they would imagine just the icon of Christ and just realize the love that he has for him, for that person. And that would be enough to to wipe away that other image that tries to steal our heart and to harm our soul. These things that, that are around us, they're in and of themselves, they're not evil. When we say, people say, well, I looked, I looked at impure images. The image isn't impure. That person still made in the image of God. What's impure is the heart. And what I look and what I associate and how I attach myself to that, that's the impurity. We can do nothing about improving our physical sight or even our spiritual sight unless we first realize that we're blind. Unless we come to this understanding that I need corrective lenses, both physically so I can truly see, but also I need those corrective lenses, that lens of grace. And the grace of God comes to us when we 
follow all of these beautiful things that our Lord has given us. The commandments of Christ, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments only, I'm talking about all of the teachings of our Lord, all of the beautiful writings of the fathers of the church and the saints and their lives and so forth. All of these things, when we meditate upon these things, we don't allow ourselves to meditate upon anything else. We don't allow those other images to come in and distort things. So this is an activity that we have to be taking part in. This is a part of us working out our salvation in fear and trembling, as St. Paul says. So we have such a part to play in the correcting of our own spiritual lens. Everything that God has given us, both physically, His creation, and the grace that He bestows upon us, is all at our disposal. We have to desire it and we have to search for it. But we also have to make room for it in our hearts and our minds. And we do this through our repentance and through our love for our fellow human being. Then the the discernment of God begins to settle in our heart. And when someone says something to me or I see something in life, I don't judge him or I don't judge it. But I see really where God is working. And I can say, you know, yeah, this person did this. But... They, they probably have many things happening in their life. I need to pray for them, not judge them. And I can, I can discern things more clearly. And when we can do that, we have that ability and it begins to grow in us, we begin to have really the peace of God within us too. And I know that everybody sitting here wants nothing more than to have peace in their heart and their soul and their mind. To be at peace. Because our world is not a world at peace. But as we're in this world, we desire this peace. God will give it to us. Pray that He gives you the grace to be able to discern things clearly and to be able to see yourself clearly, as St. Paisios was pointing out. It gives us the ability to look inward. And that's where that restoration, that's where the corrective lens begins to be formed. Amen.